Hi everyone, welcome to Promises Podcast. I'm Laura Gonzalez here. That hey, no Diane today. She's not feeling well, so we're gonna lift her up in prayer. Probably just a dumb summer cold, but I hope you are all well. Thank you for joining us. This is episode 16, and we're approaching Father's Day soon, so we're gonna be talking a little bit about what it means to have God as our Father and looking at 2 Samuel chapter 9 a bit and also the Psalms a bit. But first of all, we want to pray for Oklahoma. How tragic. We just finished the Texas situation. Well, it's not finished, but you know what I mean. We're, as human beings, we're grieving, we're lamenting, we're groaning with those 19 children and two teachers that passed away senselessly in Texas. And then now, just yesterday, Oklahoma, there was a hospital shooting. So let's just go before the Lord and ask for his kindness, his comfort to be poured out on both of these states, but especially right now for Oklahoma. Father in heaven, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. God, our hearts are broken and grieving with Oklahoma and this terrible hospital shooting. Lord, why do these things keep happening, Lord? We pray that you would just thwart the plans of Satan, thwart the evil attacks, these atrocious killing sprees. God, it is not of you. Your word says that you've come to give us life and life abundantly. So all we can ask for right now is that you would stop these acts of violence from happening, that these people that are bent on evil, you would just stop them in their tracks, Lord. There's nothing impossible for you. And we pray for comfort for Oklahoma. I keep thinking, God, how it's a hospital, a place of healing. There's doctors and nurses, and there was patients in there, and a shooting spree went down. And so please, God, bring comfort, bring healing, bring hope. And then we also continue to pray for Texas, God, that you would wrap your arms of love around each and every parent, each and every classmate, friend that lost a loved one in Texas, God. Where else can we go but you? You have the words of eternal life, and you are the resurrection and the life. In Jesus' name. Oh, and we also pray for our Diane McTarsney. She's not feeling well this morning. Would you touch her? Would you heal her? Would you minister to her right now, this moment? In Jesus' name. Amen. So today, I want to talk about the kindness of God. So as you know, uh, May's over. Over and done. Now here we are entering June. And we want to think about Father's. Father's Day will be coming very, very soon. And it's one of Jesus' most commonly used names of God. Our Father, the famous prayer, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's always calling God our Father. And in fact, they said, how dare you? How dare you call God your Father? You're trying to be one with him. He said, "Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is my Father. He is my God and your God. And so God is our Father. And so I think, and I've talked to many people over the years about this, People have a hard time thinking about God as Father. Creator, not so hard to wrap your brain around. Um, Loving God, not so hard to wrap your brain around or wrap your heart around. But God as Father is hard because in our country, in our culture, in our world, in broken homes, a lot of people haven't had good earthly dads to look to. So to call God Father, ooh, it brings a sting to them. Well, in contrast, I had a dear friend, Regina. She was an Ontario Christian School mom. She was part of a Moms in Prayer group, and she was an orphan. She was actually adopted by a beautiful Christian woman, and I thought, just in my own life experience, she might have a hard time with the name of God as Father, 
And she said, no, that's one of my favorite names of God because I didn't have an earthly father, but I have a heavenly father that perfectly takes care of me. And so may we tap into that truth and remind ourselves as Father Day is approaching, if you don't have a father that you uh, could look up to or was a mentor to you or loved you as you should be loved, we have a heavenly father that perfectly loves you, that wraps his arms around you. And he wants to care for you. And he wants to give you hased. So you might say, well, what is that, Laura? Uh, Gesundheit. No, it wasn't a sneeze. Hased is a Hebrew word. And um, I love this little book that my beautiful friend, Margaret Bravo, shout out to Margaret, gave me for my 40th birthday. And it's called 42 Hebrew Words Every Christian Should Know by Dave Adamson. So this book, this is the first time I ever heard of the name or the word, excuse me, hased. And it means unfailing love. And so said, and this verse is here in Isaiah, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. Isaiah 54, 10. The Hebrew word translated as love in this specific verse is chesed, C-H-E-S-E-D, because I know some of you wordy people are saying, hey, I got to look that up. I got to Google that. Or look in blueletterbible.com. What is chesed? C-H-E-S-E-D, which is a hard word to accurately define. And so for those of you that might speak Spanish, there's certain words that they just don't resonate in English. And so the Hebrew language is similar in the sense of, you know, mijo means my son, but it has deeper meaning than that. If somebody calls you mijo, it's my beloved, my son, my little one. It's, it's a, a term of endearment. So God gives us hased, which isn't romantic love. And I love this definition. We're going to talk about hased a little bit. And this uh, book says, while we often think of love as a romantic feeling, hased is much more than this. It's faithful. It's reliable. It's loyal. Hased is a wife praying for years for her husband to know God. It's a dad getting up in the middle of the night yet again to bail out a drug addicted son. Hased, parents who lovingly care for their autistic child every day of their life. Yes, that's what it says in here. Hased is a love based on action and Hased is unfailing. Today you can rely on God's unfailing Hased for you no matter what you face. And so I just started this book, God Does His Best Work with Empty by Nancy Guthrie. God does his best work with empty. So I, I, I came across this book. I bought it and I put it on my bookshelf. I literally did that. Bought it and didn't even start reading it yet. And then the Lord, he drew me to want to read this book. And so there's this beautiful image in 2 Samuel chapter 9 where King David is on the throne. And he says, is there anyone left from Saul's? children or Jonathan's children, I want to show kindness to them. God promised to show steadfast love, or in the Hebrew, chesed, so here it is again in this book, to David and his descendants. Chesed is one of those Hebrew terms, as I mentioned just a moment ago, that simply cannot be captured by an English word. It is the Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, or some other translations call it loyal love and faithfulness, keeping this steadfast love for thousands, Exodus 34, 6 through 7. So David is now a king, and he's overwhelmed by the steadfast love of God and the kindness and this gracious covenant that God made with him. And he's just like this. 
Who can I bless? Who can I help out? Who can I show love and kindness to? God has been so gracious and kind to me. I want to show love to somebody. So David inquires and 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 5 through 6 reads, So David sent for him this man named Mephibosheth who had spent years dreading the day when David's soldiers would come and knock on his door and finally that day, that day came. David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, this man, Mephibosheth, who was crippled or disabled, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Again, this is 2 Samuel 9, verses 5 through 6. And listen to this. I just love this. Mephibosheth must have come limping or on crutches into the presence of the king. With this disability, it must have been very difficult or perhaps uncomfortable to bow low to the ground before David. Perhaps his eyes were squeezed shut in anticipation of a sword coming down on his neck. So he thought he was going to die because that's what happened in, the, in this time. Saul hated David. Saul wanted to kill David. Saul ends up dying. Jonathan dies. And now David is king. So in those days, you would kill off the remnant of Saul or, or of your enemy because you don't want those people to come and try to usurp your authority. So Mephibosheth, even though he was crippled, he was lame in his feet. He literally thought, I'm a dead man. So his eyes were squeezed shut in anticipation of a sword coming down on his neck. But instead, words of kindness, promises of provisions, and assurance of a future fell on Mephibosheth's ears. Don't be afraid, David says. I intend to show you kindness, or said, because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. Now remember, Jonathan and, and David were besties. They were so loyal. They had this loyal friendship that went beyond any you know human friendship. It was a deep, profound friendship. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table, 2 Samuel 9, verse 7. Mephibosheth could hardly believe his ears. At this turnaround, he had been falling all of his life. He fell from his nurse's arms at the age of five. He fell into seclusion. He fell into insecurity and insignificance in Lodabar. What a fall from grace. But this time he had fallen into grace. This grace came to Mephibosheth because of a promise. A promise David made many years before to Mephibosheth's father that he would show kindness to his children. As David rolled out the ways in which he intended to show his kindness, it began to dawn on Mephibosheth that he, he, this was going to change everything about his life. David's promises were not token kindness. These were pervasive, ongoing kindness. And isn't that the same way that God shows us kindness? It's not a one and done. Okay, you're saved by grace. The blood of Christ uh, covers you. Okay, that's it. No more kindness. No, he continues to shower us with kindness. And I read this commentary on this portion of scripture in 2 Samuel 9. And it says there's three gracious promises that David, King David gives to Mephibosheth. Blessing of protection based on covenant loyalty and kindness. So David says to him, don't fear, I'm going to show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. So this wasn't anything that Mephibosheth earned or deserved or warranted. In fact, he was an enemy because he was of the lineage of Saul. No, David was loyal to Jonathan and God had 
poured out gracious loving kindness on David. Who can I bless? This is one of my favorite parts of this portion of scripture. David is literally saying, I've been blessed so much. Who can I go out and now bless? So the blessing of protection, that was one of the gracious promises. Another blessing is blessing of possessions. And I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul. This would constitute a considerable fortune. What would be the reaction of those who had to give it up? So he's just dumbfounded. Wait a minute. I'm part of your enemies and you want to restore and you want to give me the land of Saul. This would have been a huge abundant inheritance. The third blessing, blessing of provisions. And you shall eat at my table regularly. Now this part gets me choked up because we are able to partake of Christ. What did he say? I am the bread of life. Come feast on me. My body is is bread indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And the people said, you are crazy. What are you talking about? We're not cannibals. We're Jewish people. We don't eat drink blood. We don't eat um, garne or your flesh. We, we have to wait. We have special protocols to eating our food. Jesus says, you don't understand. I am the bread of life. Remember, Moses, God provided the manna, the bread, your daily sustenance, your daily needs. I'm him. I'm the bread of life. I will satisfy not just your one and done needs, but your daily needs, your provision. Our God, his name again is Father. He is seeking out. Okay, he's looking at the eyes of the Lord go to and fro around the earth. Who can I bless? Isn't that amazing? So contrast to the culture's view, the culture's propaganda, if you will, of what a father is like. A father's right there ready to discipline you, ready to pounce on you. You know, my husband, he comes from a background of skateboarding and he often surfs. And I remember one time years ago, he was out there in the in the ocean trying to surf, trying to surf. It's okay, babe, you'll get it one day. So he's there, he's surfing, he's paddling out and he says there's a dad there and he's telling his son, you're not catching the wave fast enough. You're not paddling out hard enough. You're not standing up on the board like I told you. And even though they're out in the ocean, Southern California, summertime, I mean, it doesn't get much better than this. And that dad's railing on his son. You better surf better. You better be better. You better do as I instructed. Where else do we see that? Little League. Little Johnny, you suck. <laughs> Go take a lap. And this is dad to son. This is not the way our Heavenly Father is. Our Heavenly Father is looking. His eyes go to and fro. Who can I bless? Who can I shower with kindness? Yes, our God is a correcting God. That is true. It says that those whom he loves, he corrects. Of course, there's a time and place for discipline. You know, I'm not going to tell my child, go ahead and run into the street, little Johnny, even though, you know, it's Euclid and there's tons of cars coming 50, 60 miles an hour. Go ahead and run by the street. It's okay. No, you're going to grab them by the arm, almost pulling it out of the socket to get them back to safety. So there's a time and a place for discipline. But the root nature of our Abba Father is kindness. Our God did not care that Mephibosheth was disabled, crippled, lame, and he walked with a limp. Okay, so let's go back a bit to the Old Testament. Who else walked with a limp? Do you remember? Jacob. Jacob was a trickster and he wrestled with God. It says in the Old Testament, he wrestled with God and he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And then what happens? The angel, he touches the socket of his hip and he walks with a limp for the rest of his life. And again, another portion of scripture that I love is so near and dear to me because guess what? I'm a special needs mom. I walk with a limp. No, not a literal limp, but I have a special needs child. I, I, I can't just go to the grocery store on a whim. I can't just go into the mall on a whim. 
everything is very tactful you know it's like mission impossible is isaac okay does he have his ipad is his ipad charged you know um is there restrooms that are going to be readily available is it going to be too loud do we have his noise canceling headphones all of these strategies and things to make sure that my son is set up for success if we go on a little outing so in a way i walk with a limp but not remotely like Mathilishad. He was dropped by his nurse. She was trying to care for him and she dropped him and he became lame in his feet. And in this day and age, you know, there wasn't all of the helps that we have. There were no wheelchairs developed or anything like that. And he walked with a limp and it was very shameful to live this type of life. But the Lord is not afraid of our limps, you guys. The Lord says, let me carry you. Remember the footprints poem? I love it. Jesus, where were you? I looked and the, and the hardest parts of my life when the storms came and they beat me up relentlessly, there was only one pair of footprints. Where were you? And he says, oh my son, that's when I carried you. And so I fear and I grieve that we're not letting our Abba Father carry us. No, 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 I got it. I got it, God, I'm good. We're stubborn children. Our Abba Father saying, let me carry that for you. You know, my daughter, Olivia, she often complains of severe back pain. Why? Because of the bazillion pounds of textbook weight from her backpack. It's so heavy. And if you go to a child's school, you often notice the moment that the parents pick up the child, what do they do? They generally get that backpack. Let me carry this for you, sweetie. Let me carry this for you, mijo. It's heavy. And our God wants to carry our load. And we're saying, no, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm all good. I think Mephibosheth, he embraced his, his lack. He said, I live in Lodabar. I live in Nowhereville. The author of this book says he lived in Nowhereville. There was nothing for him. He was so just sad and, and, and crippled and lame and disabled. But the Lord, King David, summoned him to the table and we are summoned to Christ's table. He's saying, come, let me shower you with chesed. What does it say in Matthew eleven twenty eight and through 30? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we don't live in an agrarian culture anymore, right? So we don't really talk about oxen and yoke and things like that. But in those days, the oxen, or the ram or whatever, um, you know, beast would carry these yokes. So it was around their neck and it was heavy. And Jesus is trying to reach the people of the day. And it still ministers to us so deeply right now in 2022. God's word is timeless. Your yoke is heavy, Laura. Your yoke is yet heavy. You know, you watching with us right now, listening in, in a podcast world. Your yoke is heavy. Christ is saying, let me help you. Let me carry that for you. You know, even this morning I went to the grocery store and I tried to carry one of those 32 bottled uh, water um, cases. And so I pulled the, the case and the plastic just snapped right off. And, I, and the worker was right there and I said, oh, this is not working for me. So I tried to shimmy the water case out. Uh, it was kind of lodged. And he goes, no, no, I got you. You know, the young people talk this, this day and age. I got you. And I said, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. He gets the case by two hands and he puts it in my cart. That yoke or that water case was too heavy for me. I'm only four foot 11. And so this nice worker helped, helped a sister out, so to speak. And he gets this heavy case of water and he puts it in my cart for me. And that's what Christ wants to do 
for us. He wants to show us chesed, the kindness of the Lord. And what does the scripture say? It's his kindness that leads to repentance. And so right now we're in such a troubled time. We see this Texas shooting, this Oklahoma shooting. We see our world unraveling. You know, in 2020 when COVID, when the shutdowns happened, it was horrible. You know, we're grieving, we're crying, we're mourning, we're lamenting. You know, I lost friends. I'm sure many of you lost dear friends and, and relatives, close people that were so close to you, dear to you. And I kept thinking, Lord, the, the rapture has got to happen anytime. You know, wars and rumors of wars, check. The love of many has grown cold, check. We've got fatigue, um, plagues and famines and craziness, you know, going on all across the world. People are dying of this, uh, you know, novel coronavirus. But then what do you see? Uh, little kids with signs, thank you, nurses. We see uh, people that are Uber drivers driving elderly people to get their medicine for free or Instacart workers or, you know, postal workers, you know, leaving snacks for them, telling people all over our nation, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. And there was a special chesed, a special kindness or loyalty that we were pouring out to people that were helping. And where is that? You know, it's, it's so crazy how fickle our culture is. You know, one moment, we're so thankful for our nurses and our first responders. The next minute, we're so angry at them for not wanting to get vaccinated. It's just so crazy how quick people turn. And God is saying, I am not that way. My kindness is not dependent upon if you had your devotion this morning. My kindness is not dependent upon if you prayed three hours or 30 seconds. My kindness is dependent on who are you? I'm a child of God. Jesus Christ is my Savior and, and Lord. That's it. That's all that's needed for God to shower us with chesed. And so I, I look at the world and I look at people grieving, mourning, saddened through the state of our, our world and our society. And, and I think, why don't they want God? They're, they're pushing his love away. You know, um, my husband Chuck used to joke with, with the children when they're, you know, two, three years old and you try to hug them and then they arch their back. <laughs> they don't want you to hold them. They want to run around. They, they're mobile now. They can walk now. They're independent now. And so they don't want you to hug them. So they arch their back, arching their back, you know, which is really uncomfortable when you're trying to hold a, a squirmy toddler and they're arching your back. So you say, okay, mijo, okay, mijo, I get it. You want to, you want to run around. You don't want dad to hold you. And I fear, is that what we're doing right now? Saying, God, I don't want your hug. I don't want your embrace. I'm good. I got it all together on my own. And that is not what God wants for us. He wants to be our heavenly father. He wants to embrace us. You know, one of the most famous Psalms that we all love and, and it just resonates with us in hard times is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides my path in righteousness for his name's sake and his rod and his staff, they comfort me and he's guiding me and he's with me. And it says the valley of the shadow of death. I often think of death. We see it and, and, and it's just so final. You know, our, our beautiful friend in Christ, Tim, he lost his battle with cancer. He passed away January 1, 2022. 
Yesterday marked five months since he went to heaven. And so at his funeral, it's it's the goodbye. You know, that that's it. That's the, There's finality. You can't call him up and talk with him. You can't receive a silly text from our friend anymore. And there's a finality, but it's just a shadow. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus told Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And so he wants us to embrace us. He doesn't want us to have those adult temper tantrums where we're, kicking against the goads, where we're fighting against God, we're saying, no, Lord, I don't want you to father me. I don't need a parent anymore. I'm good. I can walk this life okay on my own. But that is not the way of our Abba Father. Psalm 69 verse 13 reads, but as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the greatness of your life, loving kindness, answer me with your saving truth. And then verse 14 says, deliver me from the mire and do not let me sink. May I be delivered from my foes and from the deep waters. Are some of you going through deep waters? What does it say in Isaiah? When I go through the waters, I will not drown. When I go through the fire, I will not be burned. And it's a famous song, but it's true, you guys. There's another in the fire. Jesus Christ is in that fiery furnace with us. Whatever we're going through, whatever troubles, whatever trials, let God give you chesed kindness and you know what David he sought out someone to be kind to we need to be like that whomever who's in your sphere of influence I challenge you God is challenging me let's challenge and stir one another on for good works who can you be kind to your kids teacher can you be kind to your neighbor can you be kind to someone that's elderly and that maybe never gets visitors? Can you be kind to that new mama who is so sleep deprived she just wants to rest and nap and get a 20 minute quick power nap in? Or maybe there's someone who just had a surgery and they need a meal and you can minister to them. Hey, you don't got to cook. You can drop off Subway sandwich to them or drop off a pizza. You know, there's so many ways that we can show kindness, tangible acts of kindness to others. You know, I remember when um, 2022, when everything was shut down, I get a text message from a sister in Christ, Glenda, who attended our church, Calvary Montclair. Now she lives in Texas and we miss her so much, but we thank you Jesus for Zoom because she still meets with us on our um, prayer, Bible study and prayer time through Zoom. Anyway, Sister Glenda, she texts me, are you gonna be home? Because I wanna drop something off to you. So this is COVID, you know, there's really not too many running to the stores. You know, you try to keep your errands short. We're supposed to be on lockdown. We're supposed to be home. And Glenda says, I need to drop something off to you. God told me to do it. So I'm on a walk with Isaac, you know, because I was the PE teacher in 2020 of COVID. So I'm on a walk, a neighborhood walk with Isaac and I get home and there's a little bag from Glenda and guess what it was? Ice cream. She said, God told me to buy Olivia and Isaac an ice cream. I hope they like these flavors. And it just blessed my heart so much because I knew that God told Glenda to do that. God said, Laura's hurting right now. She's having a hard time with Isaac. And I am still having a hard time with Isaac. He's 14 years old now, my son. But God put it on her heart to do that, to give that extraordinary act of love. And you might think, well, Laura, it was just ice cream. It wasn't, you know, a million dollars. But that's not what I needed at the time. What I needed was for a familiar friend to say, God put you on my heart and your family on my heart. And I want to extend grace and kindness and a tangible gift of love to you. Just speaks volumes, speaks volumes. And, you know, for those of us who do have 
a, ch a child with a disability or I know some of you are caregivers you know my beautiful friend Sandy her father has Parkinson's and he needs a lot of care he needs constant care and to be driven to his medical appointments and things like that you know when you have your older parents that their their health is ailing it's if you're a caregiver now you you have a new hat you're not just a child you're now a caregiver and it's very taxing and sometimes just to text a scripture to someone to mail a card yes snail mail with a stamp on it mail a card to someone send a funny picture to someone to just say hey i'm thinking of you buy someone behind you buy their coffee do these little acts of kindness because it shows god it shows others our God. It puts our Abba on display. And so in reading in the scriptures in this example in 2 Samuel, I cannot think of a more precious example of God's loving kindness to someone who wasn't asking for it, wasn't praying for it, wasn't seeking it out. And you know what? He was lame. These are the, the most dejected of the society and God sought him out to show kindness to him. And so guess what? As I mentioned before, Father's Day is coming up. It's the month of June and we want to love on our dads, right? And I've heard many pastors, including our pastor, Joe McTarsney, say, I don't want a present. I just want you. I want you, son. I want you, daughter. I want you, grandkids, to just come and be by me. That, that's really the greatest gift of all. And what does it say in John, in the letter to, to John? It says, there's no greater joy than to see my children walking in truth. And, and it is so true. We want our kids to walk with the Father. We are walking with the Father. And we desire our children to walk with the Father. So you might be thinking, yeah, okay, I get it. My dad loves me. My dad you know, doesn't need me to shower him with a fancy gift. But I want to get him a gift anyway. It's part of our culture. And I just want to do it. Well, the Tony Evans Study Bible. <laughs> I brought this. We bought this for Chuck a couple years ago for Christmas, and he loves it. For those of you that are not familiar with Dr. Tony Evans Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Texas, this is an amazing Bible, the Tony Evans Study Bible. There's also the One Year Bible, which that's this one, Charles Stanley Life Principles Daily Bible, and then also this one. Experience the Power of God's Names, a life-giving devotional by Tony Evans. And it just lists a couple of the names on the cover, a couple of names of God. Elohim, Jehovah, Adonai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rohi, Jehovah Nisi, and so on. And so why is this important? Well, you know, our men, the men, our dads, grandpas, uncles, the mentors, and, and God-fearing men in our church, they're hurting right now you guys. But I'm not a man, so I'm not speaking from my own personal experience, but the culture is constantly beating up on men, trying to form them and push them and squeeze them into certain model and to a certain box that they should be in. So last night, our church has a one once a month all church puffy or fellowship and we have prayer and we have food you should totally come out visit us at cmontclair.com and, and get the next month's um, date so you can come out we would love for you to come and fellowship with us so after the meal then pastor joe our pastor gives a devotion and then there's a meal and prayer and so last night Eddie Bustos, who is part of our fellowship, Calvin Montclair, he went up and he wanted to share a prayer. And he said something that so resonated with me. He said, you're right. Father's Day is coming. But I thought to me to be a good man or to be a good 
father meant I had to be tough. I had to be strong. I had to have it all together and um, be courageous and bold and brave. He said, well, you know, some of that is, is true. Really, what it means to be a good man after God's own heart is to be tender, to show that said that we've been talking about, that kindness, that loving kindness that says, you know what, mijo, you messed up. You brought home an F. I was asking you if you needed help and you rejected my help. But let's try this again. I'm not going to punish you, but you are going to take summer school and you are going to go to a tutor and we're going to help bring your grade up. Show grace, show kindness, show loving kindness, undeserved grace and mercy to those around us that are hurting. You know, I think that's what God wants, not just the fathers and the men in our lives, women, grandmas, grandpas the young the older alike god wants us to show kindness because the world is so incredibly unkind and so let's be different let's be bold with our kindness you know i think sometimes a lot of people look at christians and see us as abrasive as a a, a religion or a faith of hate you thou shall not xyz you know no adultery no fornication no this no that and that's true. God gives us parameters and the Ten Commandments are still very relevant for today. But God showers us with kindness. I mean, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave. So let's take down his agape love into our hearts. Let's receive his hased, his kindness, and let's dole it out to others. Let's go like David did and look for the Mephibosheths in our sphere of influence. Look for that mama that's tired and exhausted, that elderly person, or even a stranger. Show kindness even to a stranger. I've had it done to me. I remember one time I was at Michael's and I was having such a hard time trying to buy one or two items and I had Isaac with me. Not a good combination because Michael's has goodies galore and he's running away from me and he's going here and there and I can't stand in line to pay and keep control of my autistic son. It's just not happening. So the lady behind me says, go ahead and go get your son. I'll hold your space in line. I looked at her exacerbated. I said, oh, thank you. Thank you. Isaac, come on. We got to go. We got to pay for it. So I rally Isaac and corral him back to the line. And the lady looks at me. I said, thank you for your kindness. And she said, I have done respite help. For a friend of mine who has a son with autism, I know what you deal with. She's like, you're doing a good job, mom. Hang in there. No problem. And that little act of kindness just meant the world to me. So I hope you have been encouraged today of the kindness of God. You know, I don't believe it's an attribute of God. We talk about all that much. But our God is kind. And he wants to show us benevolent, charitable acts. And let's dole that out to others, as I've said. Let's show kindness to our dads, you guys, our grandpas, or, or the men in our life that have just been so gracious to love on us. Let's tell them thank you. Let's shower them with, with good deeds, good acts of love when we can. And shout out to our Pastor Joe is an amazing shepherd and dad in a way to the flock at calvary montclair we so appreciate you pastor joe diane we hope and pray you feel better shout out to my husband chuck who is an amazing dad to olivia and isaac and we just thank all the dads all the grandpas all the mentor dads all the godly men coaches mentors ushers security people worship team children's ministry the list goes on and on and on. We are thankful to God for his hased, his kindness. Amen. So I can't wait for you to be back next week when we'll do our next episode. 
with Miss Diane. Hopefully she'll feel well enough and be back with us. And don't forget to shower your dad with um, love, scriptures. Get him a Bible. That's what your dad really wants, a Bible, not another tie. Who wears ties these days anyways? God bless you.